Hey everybody, welcome to the Blue Collar Angst Podcast, where we dive deep into the realm of any and really everything blue collar. We're going to take a look at a wide range of trades and careers that range from welders and electricians to police officers and everything in between. The guests we bring on the show, the listeners, really essentially you, are the fuel that keep this whole thing going. With that being said, please enjoy and as always, like, subscribe, follow, do whatever it is that you do to stay up to date so that you don't miss a thing. Thanks. Enjoy the show. We have a water foreman ORC with us today. ORC stands for Operator Responsible in Charge. So Glenn is with us. He's in Colorado. He's uh, just a little bit south of Colorado Springs. And we're going to talk about what he does on a daily basis. And more importantly, we're going to talk about why he is where he's at. Pretty interesting story, man. Really cool to sit down with him and talk about some of the different experiences that he's had in his life and talk about you know his upbringing growing up uh, near Flint, Michigan and moving to Colorado trying to just navigate that blue collar life and just like everybody that's in this type of life just continually trying to be better and look for the next best thing and find a better opportunity for him and his family and I did a great job we're excited to share this with you I know Glenn a little bit through my dad. And, you know, the first time I met him, I just remember we brought a dirt bike out, out to him to fix, I think just the carburetor on it. And I just remember I could barely, I think it was a 400 and I could barely touch, touch the freaking ground with it. And I'm a pretty tall dude. And I just remember Glenn, after you fixed it, he hopped on it and on his property, there's these little berms and he was just riding it like a bike. So I've always thought that was pretty cool, but, uh, how are you guys doing? Good. Thanks, David. Good to be here. Excited for another episode. Well, Glenn, why don't you uh, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, man? Uh, I know that you grew up in Flint, Michigan, moved to Colorado in your teenage years, it sounds like. But why don't you kind of just, is that right at all? It's close. Is it close? Close. Tell us about it. Uh, well, actually, I, yeah, I was born right outside of Flint, Michigan in a little town called Rankin. It's uh, basically just a dot on a map. And uh, so we lived, my dad worked construction and we lived in, well, outside of Flint until 1980 when the economy crashed, like, you know, it happened so many people. And uh, my dad worked, I told you, he worked construction and uh, he worked for sunrise to sunset, didn't get to see him a lot. And uh, my dad came home after, you know, a few nights or a few beers at the bar, like he usually did. And uh, he came in and, and uh, says, hey, boys, why don't you help me get my boots off? And, so we're, you know, he sits down in the chair and we're getting his work boots off. And, and he says, uh, he says, I'm going to go to Colorado in the morning. You boys be good while I'm gone. And it was kind of like, okay, whatever. You know, you're one of those, you know, kind of when people get drunk, they promise you they're going to buy you a car or whatever and uh, or a bike or build a pool or whatever. So it's just kinda like, eh, okay, whatever. Well, the next morning we get up on a Saturday, he's gone, like gone. And uh, Van's gone. All his clothes are gone. All gone. He moved to Colorado. Holy living living in this little or two brothers let's say i had uh, two older brothers i was the youngest of three and uh so i was 10 my older brother was 12 almost 13 and my oldest brother was 15 and he he was like well if you guys need to need to go to the hospital or something there's a car out back mark can drive you to drive you to the hospital sounds good <laughs> 
So he, he moved to uh, Colorado to get a job, look for a better life for us. And uh, we stayed in Michigan and finished, you know, went to school, got up, went to school, did our own things. Uh, after a few months, my mom came down from Alaska, picked up my older brother. She, you know, she came down and said, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to come get you boys. And, and basically, you know, I'm going to save you. You guys are going to be fine. It's like, which was weird to us because we were fine. And uh, so she flies down from Alaska, loads my oldest brother on the plane and flies to Alaska. So me and my middle brother are living in this house by ourselves. And uh, about two or three weeks later, our grandma stopped by went to drop some groceries off for us and she kind of looked around the house and of course you know two young boys trying to take care of a house it looked like a like a bomb went off I'm sure <laughs> and uh so she why don't you boys come stay with us so we did for a little while finished school and then dad came back and got us moved to Colorado when I was well I just turned 11 to be honest and uh lived in Colorado Springs for about a year and uh my dad uh, got a job with the state department taking care of highway 67 so he my oldest brother my middle brother was in in uh like a junior in high school and he says you don't want to change schools he says me and glenn are going to move to cripple creek you uh you stay here in the springs and finish school and uh, so me and my dad loaded up the furniture and moved to cripple creek so i grew up in cripple creek from about 12 ish till till i moved out you know graduated moved out and moved to the springs got a job and uh, so that was how it all started out. So I grew up in Cripple Creek. And then, like I said, about eh, 19, 20 years old, I moved to the Springs to uh, to get work because there was no work in Cripple Creek. I was trying to work at the mine, which I did not want to work at the mine. So we moved down here and I've been pretty much down here ever since. And that's how I got wrapped up with, you know, your dad and his friends and all that. <laughs> so what was that like, man? So like you're 10 years old and your dad's like, hey. I'm going to go to uh, Colorado. What was that like? Just to be, was that like a whole year or how long did that go for? It was total. It was probably just over a year, probably 15 months. Uh, it was, uh, it was, you know, if you look at it now and you think that, you know, it's kind of crazy. It was a different time. I mean, you know, you know, kids back then, you didn't have to have, you know, at that age, you were just took yourself. My dad was the type of guy that when we were raised up, he, he pretty much from the minute go taught you how to be self-reliant. And uh, so for him to go away for a while, like, you know, he used to go to Florida and stuff in the winter for vacation and leave us at home for a week or whatever. And so it was to us, it wasn't real unusual. Uh, the unusual part was, is that all his stuff was gone. That's what was weird. That was, that was like kind of made it more real, I guess, you know, like, Oh my God, he's actually gone for a while. <laughs> and, uh, but it was just, all right. I mean, it was one of those deals. We, we went through it, you know, made it just fine. Yeah. And it sounds like it kind of shaped your life a little bit too, right? He worked for the highway department and I mean, was he kind of like Jack of all trades kind of thing? And that's what kind of got you in blue collar type work or. You know, I, he, uh, he started out, he ran heavy equipment for about 45 years doing bulldozers. And uh, when he got to be, well, late thirties, early forties, he decided he wanted a, uh, a job with some retirement and some uh, um, benefits and stuff. So he, he applied at the state. And uh, at the time, it was a written test, a handwritten test. Other guys were quite a bit younger. He's sitting there looking around thinking, well, I must be the dumbest guy in the room. I can't. These guys are done so fast. So he finally finished the test. He hands it to the, the guy that was given the test. And the guy looks at it and says, do you want the job? And my dad goes, well, yeah, of course I want the job. And 
He says, well, you're the only one that got more than three right. <laughs> Always. So, so he, yeah, so he got, he got, he passed the test and uh, we wound up, he wound up going with the state and he worked there until he retired in his, in his seventies. And, uh, you know, now you know, with all his retirement and parental stuff, he, he managed out pretty good with it, which was good for him. That's so with him being on, uh, doing the construction thing, I was always kind of around it. Uh, I never, I ran some heavy equipment and stuff, but not, not a lot. But what really got me more into the construction thing was, is, uh, and, and a lot of the things I do was just one of those deals that I, I told you I had two older brothers and, uh, you know, it was like, Hey, can you help me? No. <laughs> and, uh, so it was like, you, you just had to learn to do everything yourself basically. So I either would just to try to do it myself and figure it out, you know, broke a lot of things in the process or go work with somebody that knows how to do it and learn. And that's what I did a lot. That's what kind of got me my, my well background, you know, started out, started out as a, well, right out of high school, I wound up being a, wound up doing an ASC certified mechanic and working on cars and, uh, and on the, the side to make ends meet, I, I did some uh, construction work, you know, framing and foundations and stuff. And uh, so that's what got me, kind of going in that direction so what are you doing now glenn i actually run a, a i run a water plant down here where i live it's uh so uh my job on what they call the orc the responsible uh in charge and uh the so i basically take care of the plant you know do all the maintenance stuff so the my my job is to keep after the the water uh filtering process so you know, the raw water comes in, run it through the things. I do all my testing and everything and uh, keep make drinking water for everybody down here. And uh, which which works good for me because I have all the background in, in, you know, I did mechanics and construction and all stuff. So so we, we do water testing and all that. And then there's days that like the other day we had somebody break a pipe. So I had to go dig it up, and repair the pipe mm -hmm. and then rebury it and all that stuff. So that, that's kind of why I wound up in this job, because it, it's one of those things that it's just me running it. So I have to do, I have to wear all the hats, you know? <laughs> so. so I work for power utility and we have guys, you know, the plant operators, the guys that operate the plant, we have plant mechanics, the plant electricians, but it sounds kind of like you're, you're all those guys. I am. <laughs> we, we I just actually, in there. So yeah, it, you know, it's just, it, I, I enjoy the, the, a lot of the diversity of it. Like you said, you know, you've, I've worked at places where your job, you do this. Like, yeah, I've, I've had to go in, I had to yank out a, a pump the other day and, and plumb it in, and then I had to wire it in, you know, so I have to run the electricity, you know, do all the wiring, do all the pump, do all the maintenance, do all the plumbing, and then, you know, something as simple as, like, if the, if the building needs painted, I paint it. If it needs a roof, I put a roof on it. <laughs> so I get to do it all, basically. Yeah, that's cool. Like, uh, my company is, it's so big that they kind of tie your hands a little bit um, with a lot of guys, like... I'm part of a union. And so if you try to step outside of your realm of trade, you can actually get in trouble. So it's like, Oh, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to rebuild this pump and I'm going to wire it in. Now you're taking that guy's job and now you can get in trouble because you're taking away his work, which is, it's just so funny. The different aspects of the company, you know, like with you, it's like, it's probably just like, I'll do everything, man. Like there's probably other guys there or something, and you, but you're like, I'll just do it all here. It's like, okay, I can only do this. And if I do more, I'll get in trouble for it, which is so funny to me. Cause it's like, 
my whole life, it's always been like the guy that's willing to do the most amount of work, the guy that's willing to work hard and do it all. But this company is just like, nope, you do your part, then you pass it along. You move it down, down, down the line. The next guy has to take care of that. If you do it, you get in trouble. It's just funny. It's funny you should say that because I, I was working on Fort Carson for a while. So we got a call down range. There was no water. So I'll go to investigate it, drive down there. You know, the whole everybody on there, the contract union. And I'm not used to used to that. I drive down there and it, and it was just a pot breaker. So I flipped the breaker on and, you know, ran the pump a couple of times. Water came up, flushed the toilets. What, okay, it's working. I drive back and the boss goes, what was wrong? And I said, well, the breaker was popped. He goes, you didn't reset that breaker, did you? And I said, well, of course I did. He goes, yeah, you can't yeah. do that. You're taking other people's jobs away. And it was like, well, here I thought I was just trying to be helpful. <laughs> Try to save somebody else the trouble of doing something so mean, you know, so small. <laughs> just different worlds, you know, totally different worlds. Like where uh, I used to work the same company Coke works for. And there it was just like the guy that's willing to pick up the welder and do it. He just does it. You know, the guy that's willing to do the extra effort. He's the guy that gets the job. The guy that, you know, it was like the guy that worked the hardest, you know, got the most recognition. But this company's not like that at all. It's just kind of funny. It's a lot more on paper and the people, you know, in the back office. Not that I'm talking crap about my company. I think it's an amazing company. It's just totally different worlds compared to what yes. it's you know what all three of us have been in before you've seen that right coke oh yeah yeah i was just thinking too like with glenn i'm like i look at city jobs sometimes and a lot of them kind of start low but you're in a great spot right now where you you know you're in charge you kind of have a lot of freedom how did how do you kind of fall into a spot like that walk us through that man like how'd you get to this point you know it's kind of funny that that you, you should ask that um uh, like I said, you know, I've had different jobs and, uh, I'd worked for the, uh, worked for the city for about 10, 11 years and it was a great job, but I'm one of those guys that I, I don't like to be complacent. I, uh, I like to, to try new things, learn, move on, do things. And, uh, at the time, and I'm not knocking on the city thing, it's just, there was no opportunities to go from where I was. So I wound up branching out and actually I went to, to, to try to work with Mike on the phone company. And uh, it didn't pan out, which was fine. I mean, you know, life's, life's what it is. And uh, so I wound up getting into doing more construction. We did hardwood floors and, and remodeling and stuff like that. And uh, in 08, when everything crashed and, and, and people weren't building so many houses, you know, I still got bills. I still got people to feed and, you know, all that stuff. So I, you know, I'm one of those guys that, you know, if I have to wrench on cars or whatever to make some money, I'll do it. It doesn't bother me. And uh, a friend of mine says, hey, we need a we need a maintenance guy in Monument. Sounds good. So so I go up there and it was one of those jobs that, you know, yeah, you sound good. So, you know, we'd plow snow in the winter and we'd do maintenance in the summer. And I loved it. It was great. And uh, there was an off season for the maintenance guys which was around October. You're not really plowing snow and you're not really mowing grass or trimming trees or, you know, whatever. So the, they, the, the town had a, a water plant as well. And uh, so the guy that was running it said, hey, you're mechanical incline. Can you give me some hand doing maintenance on the plant? I said, sure. So we go in there and we're, we're changing valves out and, and changing relays and, and, and uh, you know, changing pressure valves or, you know, whatever it needed. Uh, a lot of the, the control valves were getting older and need to be rebuilt. So we were doing that. And uh, he... Uh, he says, hey, let's go down and get some lunch. Okay. So we run downtown, grab a hamburger, and he says, I need to run by the office on the way back to the, the plant. Are you okay with that? Said, hey, yeah, you're driving, you know. 
And uh, so we pull in the office and we walk in and he looks at the boss and says, hey, uh, this is my two week notice. And I'm kind of like, well, huh? that's odd. And uh, without missing a beat, she looks up and goes, that's too bad. Looked at me and goes, you've always wanted to be the water guy, haven't you? And I said, oh, absolutely. And she goes, you're the new water guy. Put her head back down. <laughs> nice. So that's how I got to be a water guy. And then the the guy I was working with made it three days, tossed me the keys and said, good luck. <laughs> so I had to learn by crash course. Where did he go, man? Did, was he just, was he done with that or? you know where he went? He, he, uh, he was right on the verge of retirement. He was right at that age. And uh, him and his wife started going through a divorce. And he pretty much sold his house, sold his gear, quit his job, bought a camper, and started traveling around the world. And, uh, you know, good for him. He's a, you know, happier man for it. But, you know, and he, until you understand where somebody's at, you don't understand why they do some of the things they do. But that's that's why he did it. And, like, no, no, no ill harm to him. He, he just did what he needed to do. And, and uh, I learned it quick. And, of course, when you start doing water, you got, oh, the state gives you about a year to learn it. And then you got to test up and get your license and then you're good to go. So that's what I did. And so I went out testing and, you know, studying and testing and, and got my license. And and uh, I was doing water in Monument and uh, wound out on Fort Carson doing what Actually, Fort Carson called me and asked me if I wanted to work for him. And sure. And uh Another one of those jobs, completely happy. It was a great job. Treated you good, paid you good, all that stuff. And uh, where I live now, the the water system was put in in 1964. And uh, they've had two two guys run it since 64. Uh, so the one guy worked like 30 years, retired. And this guy had worked about 25, 26 years and retired. And uh, it was kind of one of those deals. Do you want this job? He's retiring. And at first I was kind of like, no. And then the more I thought about it, I was just kind of like, you know what? I think this would be be a good deal. And and uh, I, I really enjoyed it. it. To me, it's it's I'm in my book. I'm semi-retired. You know, I, I'm here working all day, but I don't work like you know. It's not a nine to five job, so I can come and go as I please. And I just got to be around. There's there's certain things I need to do in a time frame, but you know, you got checks and stuff you got to do. But but if I have to run to town and do something, come back, it it works out good. So I, I kind of got thrown into water and that's how I got onto this job. And I know it's kind of an odd case where most people, that's not how it's going to happen to them, but uh, that's what happened to me. So. You live on site though, then, and you, you kind of are just always there. Is, did I hear that right? Is that how it works? Yes, kind of. I, uh, it's, it's actually the water system in my neighborhood. So I, I am, I live two or three houses from the water plant and uh, I got my work phone on me now. You know, like now if something happens, they call me. And uh, so I'm I'm here and and I'm not necessarily working, but I'm on the job per se, kind of. So I'm like 24-7 mostly, but not always. Okay. So I don't I don't really commute. I don't. It, it's great. <laughs> so it sounds it sounds kind of like. Uh, your whole life has almost been like here's here it is figure it out you know you were kind of saying how your dad almost did that to you you kind of was like here it is figure it out and then most of the jobs you've gotten it's been like here it is glenn figure it out um do you feel like that's you know shaped your life a little bit of you know having to figure stuff out yourself and you know make it work for you oh absolutely my my entire my dad's 
you know, if it was on purpose or on, on accident, my dad, like I said, from the minute go, he was, he was teaching self-reliance and, you know, I could tell you hundreds of stories of, you know, like, you know, just one real quick was I blew a motor up in my car and I was young and didn't have any money. And I told my dad, I said, I can't, I can't afford a new car and I don't have the money to buy a new motor. I don't know what to do. And I need to get to work. And somebody asked says, well, pull the motor out and, you know, bring in the garage, pull the motor out and I'll show you how to rebuild it. I thought this is great. And, uh, so I get the motor out, put it up on the bench, get it all tore apart. And I'm like, all right, I'm ready. How, how do we put it back together? And he goes, how would I know? And walked off. <laughs> and, uh, so, oh shoot. I had to no, go to the back then. Yeah. I had to rent a book from the library on how to rebuild this engine. So I read the book, rebuilt the engine, started going to work again. <laughs> so that's just one example of, yeah, like you said, my whole life's been that way. If it was good or bad, I don't know, but you're right. I, you know, he, he taught me to do what I needed to do every time. And, uh, like you said, I've, 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 I've almost relished the fact that I can, I can jump into something and, and, and figure it out or, or say, I can't figure it out. You need to get somebody else. <laughs> so that's, what's so cool about your guys's generation. Um, I feel like now, and even like myself, like if that was me, I would have been like, okay, YouTube, right? And in like five seconds, I have all these YouTube videos that I can scroll through. And I still just get frustrated as heck in like 10 minutes. I'm throwing wrenches. I'm yelling at my, you know, whoever I'm working with. And uh, that's because you're a millennial, bud. No, I'm just kidding. I know, right? <laughs> I'm a freaking millennial too. <laughs> but it's like Glenn had to go to a library. He had to write a freaking book. Like there, I would have been sunk in the water by then because I can't even read. <laughs> and, and then he had to read this whole book just to how to figure out how to get his motor back together. Like the patience and the work that you guys had to put in just to do the basic stuff in life is so, you know, it's just, uh, uh, it's inspiring actually to me anyway. Dude, I think about it. So I got my grandpa's old Harley and I was working on, it. I got it running and, uh, you know, he dropped it a few times. He, he rode it from San Diego out to Colorado. I was working on it, trying to find manuals. And in one of the saddlebags, he had an old book for it. And it was like, had rain and all this crap on it. But uh, just like flipping through a book, like Connor's saying, and Glenn, you're probably listening to us like pussies. But like, literally, <laughs> dude, I'm like, what the hell? How did he used to do it? You know, and he had just wrenches and stuff in his in one of his bags. But like Connor said, dude, it's inspiring. And the next generation is, uh, is screwed. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've actually used the phrase to a few people, you know, just in jokingly, but I'll, I'll just get real serious in my face and go read a book. You know, if you're going to figure it out, read a book. It'll yeah. tell you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's funny that you were talking about having the manual and stuff. And years ago, I had a guy ask me, you know, you're when I was younger, he's like, how do you know so much about cars at your age? I kind of thought about it a second. And I said, you know, honestly, I, I, I get tired of walking and, uh, he kind of looked me funny. I said, well, I told you, I grew up in Cripple Creek, no cell phones, and the car never broke down in the driveway or at somebody's house. It was always out in the middle of nowhere. And it was always 20 or 30 miles to wherever the hell you were going, forward or back. And it was one of those deals, like, my car would break down out in the middle of nowhere. And it was like, I'd look around and go, well, I can either walk that way, walk this way, or let's figure out what's wrong with it. And I'd have to fix it, and then I'd get home. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, my... My grandpa was that way too. He he's quite a bit, or he's he's gone now. But but any book he ever got, anything he ever bought, it didn't matter if it was a TV or what. He would read the entire owner's manual. Every new car, 
cover to cover, he would read that thing. And I feel like that's almost like was a generational thing, you know, like now I just take the owner's manual and I throw it out the door with the box, you know, like who needs that? I've got YouTube if it breaks down. It's just funny. You look at it and you're like, I don't need this shit. Like literally. <laughs> it's all in Chinese anyway, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> I, it's funny because I'm, I'm slowly breaking that way, I guess, because I'm like you, I'm like, you know, hey, here's the manual. And then sometimes I think, what the hell am I keeping the manual for? Because everything's on my phone now. Yeah. And, and you're right, because what frustrates me the most on the manuals, it's either pictures, which I don't do good with pictures. You know, it's like you know, a hand pointing at an arrow or something. It's like, what the hell does that mean? Or like you said, it's in some other language that I can't read anyway. So like I tell everybody, I, I break a lot of stuff before I figure out how I fix it. So that, that's what happens to me. That's how you get good <laughs> at stuff. Yeah. You know, I tried, to, I tried to replace my wife's serpentine belt. We had a Camry. I looked at the picture because it's just a diagram and it was just a middle finger. It was a middle finger from China to me. And I was like, I can't, I can't do this. You, you know why that picture is there, right? Why? Because we bombed them. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> well deserved. Yeah, they don't like us. They, we bombed them. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's, so they, it, they can laugh at us. Yeah. It's funny to hear you talk about kind of like your upbringing and uh, maybe, maybe funny is the wrong word, but like, I, I look at some of the stuff that you had. I remember like the dirt bike, you know, fixing the dirt bike being really, you know, handy with the wrench. Remember you had, I think it was a 68 charger. Was it a charger? It had like uh, red. No, it was, was it, what color is it? It was, was it a super B? It was white with red seats. I still got it. It's a, it's a white 69 super B. Yeah. Dude, that thing was sick. I look yeah. at that though. I look at some like your life, right place, right time, but also the effort that you put in obviously. Right. But you have a ton of cool shit. And I just always remember, like, I let, I'd leave your house and be like, holy hell, dude, like, you just kind of acquired stuff, you know, it seems like over, over time. Yeah, and it's funny how that all started off, you know, I, back to more stories, so I got a bunch of them. I was 11, and I told my dad I wanted a dirt bike. He had motorcycles. My brothers had motorcycles. I said, hey, I want a motorcycle. And he goes, you do? And I said, yeah. He just kind of nods his head. A couple of days later, I said, dad, I really, really, want, a, I really want a dirt bike. And he goes, yeah, I'll bet you do. And uh, a couple of days later, I said, I, I said, you know, Dad, I'm, I'm trying to tell you here, you know, can we get me a dirt bike? He goes, he goes, sure. He says, uh, how do you plan on getting it? And I said, well, I thought you were going to buy me one. He goes, no, no, I'm not going to buy you one. He says, I'll tell you how life works. He says, he says, I got a lot of wants in life. I have dirt bikes and I have cars. He says, I have a job. I paid for them. <laughs> So I wind up mowing lawns and, and everything else I could find to get enough money to buy my first dirt bike at 11 years old. <laughs> nice. And that's how that's it all awesome. started out. Yeah. So I, I remember I paid $1,200 for this bike. It was all the money in the world. It, it could have been 1.2 million. It seemed like a lot of money. And, and uh, I, I relished that thing. I, you know, the minute I got it, you never saw anything but the back of me leaving. You know, <laughs> I rode that. Thing Isn't that? Isn't that so true though? Like if your dad would have gone and worked his butt off and bought you that bike, you never would have appreciated it as much as you did because you know that you worked your butt off to do and get that bike. It's just so funny how that is. Like when every time I, someone like gives me something like my dad, he'd have all these tools that I would go and use when I was a kid and I'd leave them out in the dirt and the dust or whatever. And he'd always be like, Oh, you dang kids, you know? Now that I go and buy my own tools and they're all expensive, I'm like, got them in this nice little cabinet, all organized. It's all nice, you know? And I'm like, it's just funny. Yeah. How it works. Like 
when you do it yourself, when you, your dad makes you do it yourself or you have to work for that thing, you just care so much more about it than, than if someone just gave it to you. True. And you're right. Cause I didn't want to, I didn't want to have to buckle that hard down to buy, you know, not take care of the one I got and have to buy another one. So it was like, it was easier to take care of the one I had. Yeah. And, and that was my thing. I was like, okay, I, you know, I paid the money, let's take care of it. And, uh, back, back to Mike there or David, uh, uh, when he was talking about the serpentine belt, it, it's funny you should say that because I'm curious if it was that white Dakota because, uh, your dad came over with it one day and opened the hood. And I said, why is the serpentine belt on wrong? And he goes, no, it's not. I said, yeah, it is. And he goes, you caught it that fast. I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did so, you, did he put it, it on? That's funny. You know, if I remember right, he said he paid somebody. And I was like, well, you shouldn't have paid him very good because it's not on, right? <laughs> that was probably just an excuse. He just didn't want to look dumb. <laughs> he probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah <that's right. laughs> it, it's, it, it's funny. You Like your dad, when, he, when you're like, I want a dirt bike. And like, just like Connor said, dude, it's crazy. My grandpa used to say the same thing. He wouldn't say go get a job, though. But he'd be like, put your want in one hand and put your shit in the other and tell me which one, you know fills up fills faster up. and i'm like holy hell but it's so true man like it's crazy yeah it, it, it's you know back to the dirt bike thing you guys probably don't remember points you know cars used to have points and that's what made the spark plug spark well i'd gotten this motorcycle and i was just a kid and uh i i kicked it and kicked it and kicked it and kicked it for two weeks straight couldn't get a start couldn't get enough and of course, I knew just enough about an engine to be dangerous. I pulled the plug out, I cleaned the plug, I checked the carburetor, make sure it was getting gas. I'm like, you know, it's, it comes down to us. If, if it's got fuel, it's got spark, it's going to be a, either a fire, it's going to burst into flames or something. It's got to do something. This thing wouldn't do anything. And uh, so I, I'd seen my dad bump start a motorcycle where you push it down a hill, you know, and, and, and kick it into gear. And so I was like, oh, it, you know, that always works. So I'll try that. And of course, you know, pushing it up the hill and down the hill and up the hill and down the hill. I was like, uh, after about 20 times of that, my dad comes home and says, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm trying to start this bike and I can't figure it out. He says, bring it over here, which looking back is funny now because he could have walked over where I was, but now he made me push the bike. And uh, <laughs> he, he whips out a pocket knife and he reaches <clears throat> down, pulls his cover out, and sticks his pocket knife in his bike and it fires right up and he grabs his lunchbox, starts walking in the house and I shut the bike off. So where are you going? He goes, what do you mean? I said, I said, what did you do? He goes, I didn't do anything. I said, no, no. I said, what did you do? And he goes, he goes, well, I set the points. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. What the hell are points? And uh, so I made him actually put his lunch back down and show me what he did. And uh, it was kind of one of those deals like, you know, I want that was my curiosity flaring way out there. It's like I, I, I wasn't happy that the bike ran. I want to know how he made it ran more than actually wanting to ride yeah. the bike. Because I knew yeah. that would happen again in my life and i wanted to know the trick <laughs> dude it's the millennial in me i'm like what the hell's a point what is a point uh so basically you know now when, when you work on a car there's a in the distributor we didn't even have distributors now but there's a like a like a magnetic or an optic eye that reads reads a fin that goes by that tells the spark plug when to fire uh, so when, when the cylinder's up, it would fire. Well, now, back then, the the points, it was a mechanical version. It's just a, well, it looks like a pair of nail clippers that has a, a contact on it. And there was an like an octagon or a square drive that it would ride on. And when that thing would close, it would run the, the, the pulse through the points and through the cap and rotor until the plug to spark. Well, then when it went by, it would open back up and break the power 
until it got to the next plug. So it's just a mechanical version. Well, if that gap on those contacts were either, what happened usually is the little thing it wrote on would wear down and they would shut. And then we'd have no spark because it couldn't, it couldn't break the, the cycle. And uh, so you'd have to adjust. And, uh, you know, you could, there were, most of them are set at 16 thousandths gap, which believe it or not, a matchbook is 16 thousandths gap. So if you had a matchbook or fingernail file or whatever, you could set them. And you would just set the points and then they'd run. And it was like, whenever your car died, that's the first thing you went to was the points because that was what always broke. <laughs> You know, thank God, like they say, you know, the old saying, they don't make cars like they used to. And I actually think, thank God, because they're, you know, you used to have to do everything to them. And now they tell you everything they need. All on a computer, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's great. It tells you when it needs oil. It tells you when it, you know, it, it tells you three times before it runs out of gas, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Well, Dukes, do you have any cool projects you're working on in your garage? I, I do, actually. I, <laughs> I, uh my mind never quits. I can't, I can't stop. So yes, yeah, so right now I've got a 33 Dodge pickup. I've got in my, in my uh, garage that I've completely modernized. I don't know if you've even seen it before. You might have, I don't know, but it's it, the whole truck sits on a, like a late model Dakota. So it's, you know, fuel injected ABS, air conditioning, all that stuff. But it, it looks like a 33 Dodge. And the next to that, I've got a, uh, a 58, uh, I'm sorry, 57 Volkswagen Bug that I'm redoing. You go around the yard, I've got a, a 47 uh, COE cab over truck that I'm putting a Cummings in. And uh, so, yeah, I've got lots of projects I'm partnering around with. You got a uh, you got a 1994 Jeep Cherokee you want to sell me? So I, I don't. I got a Wrangler. Do you? I, uh, <laughs> I know. I've been, uh, I've been looking all over for a, a Jeep Cherokee to start working on and kind of make my own little project. I've heard that I just heard that they're really easy to work on and uh, do maintenance on and stuff. So I, I was like, oh, that's a good way to start and learn. So I've been thinking about getting one, picking one up. Dude, back to You're your right oh. back to your uh, telephone days. You mentioned trying to get on with the phone company. Uh, was it Quest back then when you tried, or was it CenturyLink? What was it? Uh, I, I want to say it was Quest. Uh, so what happened is I went and interviewed and they said, you don't have any photo phone experience. He goes, they said, go work for the cable company, get a little ex uh, installer experience, like running wires and all that stuff. And then we'll come back. And it was like six months. I think they said, well, hurry. And I, I was like, mm, sounds fair. You know? So I went down to the, the uh, it was a Delphi at the time, the cable company and uh, got hired on. And they, whew, um, they, they was like, I think they started out like nine bucks an hour. It was, it was pretty bad. But I thought, well, it's only for six months. I'll, you know, I'll just keep my head down, keep my nose down, do what I need to do and learn, and and uh, and then you know figure this is a, a stepping point to move on. And uh, the twin towers fell, and uh, Quest and all of them completely locked down hiring, so they didn't hire for many years after that. And uh, I wasn't going to make it at nine bucks an hour, and uh, so that's when I went back to back to construction, and a friend of ours did hardwood floor and he was needing some help so i got into hardwood flooring for a few years and, and uh that that's a you can make a lot of money doing hardwood flooring but it's it's a young man's game it uh you know uh it's hard on your body hard on your back hard on your knees i in fact most of the guys i did it with are not doing it no more and uh i don't i don't blame them i'm, I'm one of the same guys after a few back surgeries and stuff i i try to avoid you know <laughs> carrying heavy things over my head and 
<laughs> being on your hands right. and knees all the time. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I asked you that about the phone company. So I right out of high school, you know, I was like, man, what do I do? Where do I want to go? And I remember I applied, you know, my dad worked at CenturyLink at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. And I knew it was a good, good company tried to get me interested in like the fiber side of it he's like hey he's showing me all these like different fiber wires and how to how to score wire and all that type of stuff and I applied and I went and took a test and then they were like yeah you're not smart enough to to work here and I literally was like holy hell is it is it that competitive and I it was like a telecom test or something like that and I was like I thought all I had to do was sit in a truck and and look at the green boxes all day I could do that (laughs) but it's, it's, it's funny. Cause I look back kind of like you, man, if I would have gotten that job, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at now today. It's same thing with you. You know, if you would have gotten that job, you probably wouldn't be working at a, the city water company right by your house, you know, perfect, perfect type of setup. It sounds like. Yeah. I, you know, it, you know, not, not to knock on other jobs. I've, I've had a lot of great jobs and, 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 and I've never actually left a job, uh, on bad terms for the most part, I, you know, most of the time it was, uh, it was moving on and up and better things and all that stuff. And, uh, you're right. Right. There's, there's a couple of jobs I've had that it's like, okay, that wasn't the best job, you know, but Hey, I learned what I needed to learn. And, uh, and, and I've always looked it back at anybody that's willing to teach me anything. I'm, I'm willing to learn. I, uh, you know, even though I'm, I'm an older man or whatever you want to call me and, and, uh, I can still be taught. I, you know, <laughs> I, to me, it's like, you know, if you get too complacent, you're, you might as well just give up. I, you know, uh, you know, working on, I worked on a lot of old cars. I'm, I'm starting to learn a lot of the, you know, the, the fuel injection and the computers and all stuff. And it, and it's, it's a realm and, and it's like, you know, my dad used to tell me and, and it's kind of a thing. He said, do you think the guys that build this stuff, you know, uh, drink wine and, and wear slacks, you know, I says, you know, most of these guys that build anything, it doesn't matter what it is. Are, are normal people, people that get up and put their lunchbox in their truck and go to work and wear blue jeans and drink in the bar and have coffee in the morning. And they're just people. And uh, so he goes, it, it, you know, it can be done. So that's cool. You, you can, yeah. That's a cool mentality to have. I never thought about it like that. Yeah. <clears throat> One of the things I wanted to ask you, Glenn, was uh, you said you can't, you grew up, you grew up next to Flint, right? Yes. So you have a, uh, have you heard about the water crisis stuff up that happened there in Flint? Oh, oh yeah, we uh, they actually teach classes on it now on what not to do because of Flint. It's a recommended class that you have to do to keep your license, and uh, it's uh, it's quite the deal. I don't know if you ever heard the whole story or not, but uh, basically what it came down to is is uh, Flint used to buy their water from Detroit, and it got expensive, so they decided to use the water from the Flint River, which is uh, pretty, pretty, not clean water. It's pretty acidic. Dog shit. And, uh, so yeah, they decided to start pumping this water in that they didn't have a treatment system for. I mean, you can treat the water regardless of how bad it is, but they weren't set up to treat it. And of course it was acidic, uh, you know, like battery acid or whatever you want to call it to a point, the pH was low and a lot of the Flint's an older town, so they had a lot of lead pipes and stuff. So it literally ate the lead out of the pipes, and people were drinking it, and it made them sick. And what, what the, the downfall to all of it was, was the fact that, uh, talking about complacency, people, the testers, the guys were testing it, were finding it, and they were skewing the numbers. 
And then they, or they would tell their boss and their boss would sweep it under the rug because through the whole system, there's, there's checks and balances. Like, you know, okay, we took this test, you turn it into this guy and he does it and, and you know, on down the line. And they're hoping there's enough hurdles there that somebody throws up a flag. Well, everybody that was there basically was, you know, Hey, I don't want to lose my job. I'm not going to say nothing. And the end result was, it sounds like they all lost their job. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, it, it takes some courage to stand up sometimes and somebody needed to. How long did that go on? How long was this like a problem that they just let just slide? Uh, it was about a year, maybe a little over. Uh, they just kept, like I said, I have to do rigorous testing. Uh, you know, I have to, uh, I have to pull samples, you know, they got us on a schedule. I test for different things over the years. And if depending on what tests come back, they make you test more or less. And then they try to hone in on if there's a problem and how to take care of it. And if you're giving them, you know, giving them fake tests or bad, you know, samples that weren't from where they're supposed to be. And, and you're, you're basically hiding it. Then, you know, the end result is some people get sick and then, then everybody knows. And it's better to just, if there's a problem, find it, isolate it, fix it and move on and they just did. do you ever come home do you ever come home and you're like don't drink the water tonight honey and she's like why you're like oh let's just drink bottled water the next couple days you just keep <laughs> quiet <laughs> uh, no no i don't uh i got my name written all over it and i don't <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh I, you know surprisingly enough for such a small community we we actually have really good water we have a really good water source Honestly, Colorado is, is the first taker of water. So we don't like you go down the river banks or whatever, you like you get into can stuff. People don't realize it, but like we use the water, you drink it, you wash your dishes with it. They treat it, dump it back in the river and it goes to the next town. They consume, you know, use it, dump it in the river, goes next river. So as it goes on down the line, it's got more and more usages on it where we're near the top of the stream, basically. And our water's pretty, you know, we got Colorado's got good water, <laughs> especially this on the front range here. Yeah, and it ends in Arizona, which is where I am, and that's why I've got water spots all over my dishes and stuff. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I was going to say, people don't uh, – it, it, it's just a kind of a tally, but the average is, is we wind up selling a gallon of water 14 times before it leaves the state. Wow, that's crazy. Wow. So it's, you know, same gallon 14 times. <laughs> that is crazy. So uh, I was just looking up some some cool facts about that Flint – crisis it was like a big deal it was a crisis from april 2014 to june 2016 it became a crisis on april 25th which is my birthday so all you listeners send me presents here in a few weeks um, I got to be <laughs> oh dang nice april babies <laughs> are the best but uh there was tens of thousands of flint residents that were exposed to dangerous levels of lead poisoning Yep. Um, the, the outbreak killed at least 12 people and sickened dozens more. So there was, there was people that died over this. That's crazy. 12 deaths, 12 deaths and, uh, dozens of people got extremely sick from it. So that's a big deal. That's crazy. I didn't know it was such a big deal. I had just heard about it through school or whatever. They might've mentioned it. So, uh, yeah, I didn't know it was such a big deal. That's crazy. You have yeah, a pretty like important said, job. It, uh, it, it's a standard now. Like I said, it, it's, it's, it was a, a pivotal point where they completely changed all our processing and testing because of that one moment in time, basically, that changed everything. 
and and you're right. Like I said, when when people get get placed and don't do their job right, in my world, people get sick or die, and and people, you know, like I said, they they you know, you either lose your job or go to jail. Hopefully, you just lose your job. It's you know, it's it's important. It's people's health, and and uh, you you know, you really want to keep on it. And uh, you know, like I said, we you know, I ain't gonna lie. Every system, you know, you have a pipe break or whatever, and there's protocols, and you got to follow them. And, and there's a reason why they're there is because of things like Flint. Electricians are the same way. You know, it's like there's a certain way they do things, and they don't. You know, it's a sharp learning curve with, with those guys. And I got to admit, it, it takes they got it takes some strong people to get up there and mess with electricity. I'm not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I think it's cool. You know, you talk about pivotal moments, and I just keep thinking about driving around town, you know, that the old guy that took off in his camper to go explore the country, you know, good for him, better for you type situation where, you know, you get offered this job pretty much on the spot. And, uh, what a, what a pivotal moment for your life, you know, for people getting into it right now, looking at city jobs, trying to just, you know, curve a path or or draw a path for their, for their career. I guess what advice do you have for them? And just really basic life advice. I know you've shared a lot about effort and not being complacent, uh, and that's huge. But yeah, what is, what's some advice for for people like that? You know, it's it, I uh, it, it's one of those deals. I uh, it depends on what you want out of life. I, you know, to me, it's like um, like you talked about pivotal points where you want to go. You know, I wound out with uh, uh, doing a construction and everything and line out with the water thing and the construction is a great job i got no complaints about it it's right it's it's tough on your body some people have better genetics i mean I, i've known guys do it into their 80s and stuff and, and they're still kicking butt and, and and more power to them I'm, I'm one of those guys that i had you know i had back problem stuff and i had to shift gears and uh, i got into the water and i'm, I'm blessed for it uh, it's uh if, if somebody wants to get into it it's one of those jobs it's not it's uh, it's not a physical job per se. It's more of a mental job, which took me a little time to get used to. There's a lot of, not a lot of math, but you got to learn formulas and stuff because you're doing testing and, and uh, so I, I kind of had to shift gears on that deal, and uh, and I, I enjoyed the challenge. Uh, the biggest thing with, with with me with the water was the the fact that it's it's one of those jobs you can do for many many years because uh, it's not it's not hard on you. It's not beating you up, uh, you know. It, it it the the trick to me with doing the waters is, is you've got to be uh got to be reliable they, they just you know it's one of those deals that you know people don't realize it but it takes somebody every day for that water to come out of the faucet and nobody cares until it doesn't come out and then they're calling you and so i mean like you know, people ask me about like covid stuff what did you do and i'm like well, i went to work every day because you wanted to take a shower you know <laughs> and uh so it's one of those jobs it wasn't hard but it, it, it just you got to be reliable. They want you, you know, like me, I got to be here every day. You know, if I don't feel good or whatever, it doesn't matter. You know, I still got to do it, but that's, that's the trade-off on, on this job for me is, but I'm not, I'm not out there, you know, swinging a hammer or digging in a ditch and, and, uh, you're basically killing myself to, to, to make a buck. And, and like I said, I'm not, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that type of, you know, I, I have more respect for guys that can, that can can sit out in the hot sun and, and work hard all day and, and and never blink an eye. That's that to me is, you know, that's 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 a skill <laughs> to me. It really is. And uh, so the water thing to me, like I said, it was it was a blessing. 
and I'm glad to be in it. But for people that want to get into it, uh, I, I'll tell you right now, the the youngest guy I've seen in water is probably 30. It's just it's it's not it's not because it's not a young guy's thing. It's just there. It's it's I guess a lot of people don't think about doing a career of water. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to see younger people get into it. The, 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 the trick to it though, is, uh, you have to work at a water system of some kind before you can even, um, test. Uh, we have a state ID number and to be able to test, you have to have that number. Um, you know, like just a prime example, say we wanted to hire a guy to run the weekends or whatever, I would bring him in and teach him and then basically school him up on what, what's going to be on the test. And then once they test and get their license and then they're good to go. And then of course there's different levels of the test. You can test up for different tasks of the job. And like, you know, you start out with a, like a D license and go all the way up to an A. And uh, so the, the hardest part is basically just kind of getting your foot in the door. And after that, it's, it, you know, it's whatever you want to do with it. And and my advice to some people with it is you think about it, every town in America has water, you know, so there, there's opportunities there. Uh, the, the one that, I, I've dabbled with, and it wasn't because I wanted to, but one of the shops I worked out of the, we were based out of the sewer plant. And, uh, I, I tell you th those guys, you go, you got to almost be a chemist to run a sewer plant. <laughs> that's, that's some pretty brainiac. Yeah. It's a, uh, that's work. I plant, I, I work at a steel plant. That's like right by a shitter plant. It sucks when we're downwind from it. You know what I mean? You're just like, holy hell, that'd be a rough job, dude. Because I work next to one and I'm like, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I was going to say, it. it's funny you should say that because when I started working at the sewer, you know, we were our off, we were based out of it. We didn't, we didn't necessarily work there, but you're all, like you said, you're always around it, kind of like you are. And I, I just, I was like, how do you guys do it? Because you get used to the smell. Like, there's no way you you can't. And uh, you, you do, it, you're, you're, you're actually, your, your nose receptacles turn off to it after a while. And, uh, but it's funny to watch those guys. I'll see them. They'll be down there working on a pump or something and eating their sandwich at the same time, you know, just like, wow, that's a, that's a tough dude. <laughs> dude we, we have a, we have a honey bucket or a porta potty that this company is called honey bucket. And, uh, it's like right outside, it's outside of Mandor, uh, close to where I work. And this one morning, it was like 40 minutes of just straight shit smell and i was like dude is the freaking honey bucket out here like the guy that comes and like picks up the the shit from the porta potty and i go out there and it was just the wind was just coming coming downwind you know and i was like holy hell but uh that's interesting stuff dude i i really appreciate it and it's a cool perspective to hear from you you know you said the youngest guy that you saw in waters 30 years old uh it, it's funny that you say that my brother-in-law he was a he was an engineer and he just got into a city job and he works with the water too. And he's, I think, uh, 33 or around there. And it, it's, it's crazy, but like you said, I mean, the opportunity is there for, for people if they want to look at it and it, it seems like not a bad gig, you know, you can make a career out of it. Yeah. I, it's kind of what I'm trying to drive home here is, you know, like I said, it's not necessarily for everybody, but you know, like I said, there's, there's different people that do different things and, and uh, I, I was kind of forced into a situation where I can't do a whole lot of physical stuff. And, you know, it, it's, it's my own sad stories and, you know, it, it doesn't apply to anybody else, but it, you know, it, where I'm at now, like I said, I could do this job, you know, say into my seventies and stuff. And, and, and that to me is, is the part I like, it's like, you know, it's, you know, I can, I can keep doing it as long as I enjoy the job, I can do it as long as I want. You know, like I said, doing 
you know, some of the guys that, you know, prime example, you know, guys that frame or concrete or whatever. I mean, you could have hurt on that job and, and, and you're not, you know, you're not the, the guy that can pull your own weight. They've got to, they've got to get somebody else. And, uh, you know, cause the job's got to be done. And, and, and sometimes you get pushed aside and, and then you're kind of standing there going, now what do I do? And, and uh, it, it didn't happen to me that way, but I've seen it happen to people like that. So. One of the things I've uh, loved about this interview, Glenn, was honestly, I loved how your dad's parenting style, like I feel like today, so many parents are just over sheltering their kids to hard work. Um, (laughs) I heard this saying one time where it was like, if you spoil your kids, you'll raise your grandkids. But if you teach your kids to work, then you'll be able to spoil your grandkids. Does that make sense? And it's mm-hmm. just because people don't, they don't uh, teach their kids to work anymore. They just do it all for them. And, and then your kids start to take it for granted. And then they just, you know, they don't give you the respect that you deserve. But I don't know. I just think it's really, uh, really cool how your dad was always like, you know, figure it out. Like it might've sucked in the moment, but he made you a super successful man because he taught you how to go and how to, how to work and how to figure stuff out. and clearly you're a jack of all trades. Like you can do anything. And it, I feel like it started a lot there. So I actually think your dad did an awesome job, you know, raising you, teaching you how to work and stuff. And yeah, you're probably laughing. You're like, Oh man, if you knew half of it, but no, I think, I mean, I think it's cool. I think a lot of yeah. people can learn from that. Well, yeah. Thanks for, I mean, thanks for the compliment, but you know, it's one of those deals that, you know, I told you he was a single parent, you know, and everything. And he did the best he could. And, you know, like I said, I, I never went without clothes or anything like that. So, I, you know, looking back, I can't really, I mean, yeah, there's days like, oh, I wish I could have, you know, got the dirt bike or whatever. But, you know, for all, all in all, I was like, no, my life is fine. And, and I, you know, my, my older brother's got kids, you know, they're in his third, their thirties now. And, and I've mentioned before, it's like, you know, every parent wants their child to have a better life. Like you said, you want to give them the dirt bike. You want to, do things for him and that's in in some ways that's great that you can but you're right it does it does jade it a little bit sometimes when they when it's just handed to them i think about if i was left alone for a little bit and like my parents like took off you know i would be like that little kid in uh talladega nights it's like anarchy i don't know what it means but i love it (laughs) so you're actually pretty damn lucky that's cool Yeah, we, we, uh, it was a free for all for a few weeks, you know, it's like, you know, do what you want. But yeah, I ain't gonna lie. My, my father was, uh, uh, he, he was just one of those guys that, you know, a lot of my friends like, oh, your dad's so cool. He lets you do anything. I mean, which he did. And, uh, but I always told him it's a double-edged sword. And, uh, and a lot of my friends didn't understand what I meant. It was like, well, okay. It's a prime example. It's like, say you get, do something stupid and you get thrown in jail uh will your dad come get you out of jail and every, all my friends were like well absolutely and i said my dad won't because he's one of those guys that if you figure out how to get in you can figure out how to get out yeah always that lesson there they're like okay i can do what i want but there are consequences <laughs> dude just the motor lesson uh just in closing that's something that's going to stick with me you know taking that motor apart and you're like hey dad what do i do and he's like how the hell would i know you know you're like oh <laughs> shit it is. But, oh, I don't know. Walked off. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so funny. It's well, such yeah. a good story now. In the moment, you were probably like, oh, you asshole. And, but oh, now it's just such a good story. <laughs> I, I wanted to hit him in the back of the head with a wrench. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh man. Well, dude, we, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for taking the time. You know, like you said, it, it's, it is definitely a career choice for people. And I think the biggest takeaway, at least that I take away from this is just that continual effort. Like you said, not getting complacent. That's huge. Good lesson to me and Connor. And uh, we appreciate it, man. Thank you for, for coming on. Sure, man. Anytime. Uh, thank Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It was a good time. I, uh, like I said, I, I, you know, all kinds of goofy things, but we'll keep it down and simple. <laughs> Heck yeah. Simple works. Hey guys. Thanks. Thanks for listening to uh, the blue collar ranks podcast. Um, if you guys can, please just take a moment and, and share this podcast with your friends, with your family and just, you know, get that word out there a little bit for us. If you can't take the time, follow us and, and share this video with your, your friends and your family. Yeah. And just to echo what Connor said, the coolest people that we meet outside of the people that we know are just through you guys. We have a bunch of people that are reaching out with some of their friends uh, that want to be on the show. And, and that's, it's pretty cool to have. And this has come up a couple of times too, is, you know, can it be anonymous or not? People don't want to say, you know, who they work for, you know, or they had a certain life story that needs to be anonymous and we'll, we'll keep everything anonymous. We'll change the city and say that it happened in Flint, Michigan. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but thank you guys. We'll see you next week. Thank mm-hmm. you.